Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Soggy Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Alex. And uh, yesterday was the midterm election. It was. And, uh, well... Who did you vote for? uh, I didn't vote. (laughs) I didn't vote at all. I was out of town for work, and even if I was home, I wouldn't have wasted my time going to do that shit. That's what it is. It's a complete waste of time. Yeah, sadly it is. Uh, some people made a pretty good point that there are certain referendums and stuff on there to vote for. Well, that's true. I guess that would be the only part that, you know, that's actually democracy in action. That that truly is the only thing that really fucking matters, it seems like. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing this through to the end of my head right now. I'm, like, trying to figure out how the system rigs the referendums against us. Yeah. And I'm I'm figuring it's like that the referendum question is probably like pretty good. You like get an answer on how the population feels about a certain subject. But then the, you know, powers that be swoop in, they go ahead and they sew it up and they present it to the public in a way that sounds good, but it's really just a way for them and their cronies to make a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if it sounds like we're depressed about politics, it's because we live in Illinois, where now the richest politician ever is our governor. (laughs) (laughs) He is heir to the Hyatt fortune, and his name is J.B. Pritzker, but we'll either refer to him as Pricker, or what's the other nickname? Uh, Fred Flintstone. (laughs) (laughs) And he does look like Fred Flintstone. He does. He, He looks more like Fred Flintstone than John Goodman looked like Fred Flintstone in the Flintstone movie, and I thought that he was pretty good. He was, he was, and you know what, this J.B. Pritzker might be, might be the perfect band to play Fred Flintstone in the reboot of the Flintstones, because that's <laughs> got to be coming soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's been gone out of the public eye for a while. Yeah. People like a reboot. Wasn't one of the Baldwins Barney? Yes, Stephen Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin. The the problem, Baldwin. <laughs> well, actually, now you can say Alec is the problem. Oh, that was too. great. Fighting over that parking spot, that guy's holding a camera. Alec has got his <laughs> arm behind his back and like a hammer lock, and he's like yelling at him. Yeah, Alec is, man, it's, it, I, I think if that guy didn't have such a hilarious impression of Donald Trump and like didn't capture the American heart like he has, mm-hmm. I think he would. I think he would be out of a job right now. Perhaps. I mean, he's been he's been accused of uh, abusing his wife and stuff too. And I, oh. I mean, like actually, like you know, legitimate claims. It, it seems like I didn't know that. Yeah, and that was pretty recent. But I think I don't think that's the first time that's happened either. But okay. uh, DUIs. There's been all sorts of stuff. Yeah, he's and, a wild man. Yeah, he's yeah he's basically another Mel Gibson, but instead <laughs> of like you know insulting you know. So it's Bostonians and Australians that are racist? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. Is he even Bostonian? I don't know. What I'm pretty is. sure he is. I mean, that or he's in New York. I mean, he's a New England guy, right? I don't know. Yeah, he looks like it. Yeah, somebody in the comments, go ahead and correct us, please. Yeah. Um, But, you know, pretty hilarious, the whole Baldwin situation. I really like Alec Baldwin because of 30 Rock. Did you ever watch 30 Rock? I hate that show. Oh, I, I really? Fucking, I can't stand it. I think it's so fucking predictable and scripted. I, okay. I can't. There's certain shows that a lot of people like that mm-hmm. I just can't do. Same thing. I that, love Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan's funny on there. He definitely yeah. is. He, he, yeah. he was the, always the redeeming factor that, uh, you know, people would post his moments on Facebook and stuff, and I'd watch them. Um, 
I like all of the characters individually. So it's not like I didn't like the characters. I thought all the actors were really good, but uh, I thought even Tina Fey, who I freaking adore, I mm-hmm. love Tina Fey, but I thought she was stupid on that show. Liz <laughs> Lemon was a moron, <laughs> <laughs> but not it, to me, not even in a funny way. I don't know. <laughs> all right, well, you know, I I feel pretty much the opposite. I, yeah. I love that show. That show has so many moments in it that are like a classic television. Like the one where Tracy Morgan, uh, whose name is Tracy Jordan, the show, yeah, right. he's convinced that I can't remember what he calls them, but they're like the Black Mafia or whatever, the Black Avengers. That's what he keeps calling them, the Black Avengers. Are after me, and it's like Oprah and Will Smith, <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps telling Tracy that the Black or not Tracy he keeps telling Liz Lemon that the Black Avengers are after him. Like, yeah, whatever. Tracy, it's just one of your paranoid delusions. And she casually mentions it to Jack Donahue near the end of the episode by the climax, and he's like, the Black Avengers are after Tracy, and you didn't tell me? And just straight turns and sprints out the door and threw one of those doubles down the hallway. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah and that then, sounds pretty funny. And then my favorite moment in that show I don't know, another one of them, is in the final episode when Jack Donahue is going to sail around the world in order to find the meaning in his life because he no longer has a place at GE. He's been replaced, you know, by people that are making way better microwaves. And he's coming in and he's telling them about the glory days. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) So he's going to go sail around the world to find meaning in his life. And then he gets out into the bay and he screams, Lemon, I've got it. And he turns the boat around and he goes, see-through dishwashers. <laughs> <laughs> he sails back. And I swear, like six months later, KitchenAid comes out with that with model fucking with the window fucking window dish- in it. <laughs> yeah. Good God. That's yeah. really funny. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, I remember when those dishwashers came out, and I thought that was such a stupid idea when it came out. And, uh, yeah, didn't sell a single one of them. I um, don't know if you, you saw I, I've sold a couple of them, but, like, honestly, like, who gives a shit? Customers come in and they would, like, laugh about it, and I would laugh with them. They mm-hmm. would be like, what am I going to do, sit in my fucking kitchen and wash my <laughs> dishes? Like, I, I don't understand it, but um, I, I do, you know. I, I don't know. If that concept wasn't based on that episode of 30 Rock, which I think is a very plausible theory, uh, it would then be based on the front load washers. And oh, how the window? Yeah. I mean, that, and that is, I want to be able to see that my clothes are, are going around and around mm-hmm. washing. But it's not, my, it's not my dishes. My dishes just sit there as they get sprayed by water. Like right. It, it's, not, it's, not like a, it's not like an aqua opera. Yeah, like a, like a like a front load washing machine yeah. going around and sucking it up. It's right, right, exactly. You know, yeah. Like, there's a lot more going on with the washing machine than a freaking dishwasher. Yeah, and then you put them in the dryer, and then they get a little bit of dry, and then they like tumble in these like giant kaleidoscopes of color. We're telling you that front load laundry is art. Yeah, All it right? is. It absolutely is. It's it, beautiful. And yeah, I I can't say that it's not. But um, getting back to the midterm election. Uh, we didn't have the blue wave that we saw. I saw an article whose headline was "No Blue Wave," instead of "Purple Puddle" or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, 
Uh, it's the same thing that always happens. <laughs> I mean, what, what else? What else can we say about yeah. this? Uh, well, uh, we almost could do something. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be four more years of uh, cock blocking, uh, <laughs> which is uh, Republicans have the Senate and uh, and the Dems have the House. Yeah. Well, I mean, two years because Trump's got to run for re-election. There will be another election. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be four years for the next midterm. Yeah, but I mean, in all honesty, Trump, Trump is going to win. Oh, Trump's definitely winning. Trump's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <let's> <laughs> real Who the fuck are the Democrats going to run? Nobody. The only one they could run that would stand a chance would be Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Or if some wild card Democrat like Barack Obama pops out of nowhere. Yeah. If somebody starts throwing people in jail that actually should go to jail and and actually puts their foot down mm -hmm. and grows a pair of balls, they would win, and that's uh, the, yeah they they would win. Mm -hmm. There's there's no doubt in my mind they, that they would win. They'd be like everyone is so sick of it. They would just be like, oh that yeah yeah we'd like to see people punished. Yeah, we want to see other people hurt as bad as we hurt. Yeah, right. I watched this amazing documentary on. Netflix. I watched two of them. The first one I watched was called Trump American Made, and it was a four-part yeah, miniseries. I remember us talking about that. Yeah. The, I watched the second one, though. It was called Get Me Roger Stone. Have you ever heard of Roger Stone? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Okay, he he's this Republican pundit who used to be like a campaign strategy guy, and he started up with Reagan. And once he got he's very well connected, knows a lot of people, really smart, not a moral man. I wouldn't say he was moral. But, like, I, like, I was kind of, like, you know, talking to Sydney about this. Because I have this weird tendency to, like, sympathize with the villain in the story. Or the supervillain in the story. Yeah. I don't, I don't, like, and there's a lot of discussion on why I do that, you know. But in this particular instance, like, the way that I was justifying Roger Stone was it's not that he's evil. He just realizes the way that it. He just realizes the way that the world works, and he's totally okay with it. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know if that's true. You know, I mean, which is kind of inherently evil to begin with, right? I mean, it's not, it's not you know, anything different than the status quo. It's not you know somebody in the backwoods you know abducting people and and stuff like that. I mean, that's inherently evil. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, without discussion, but it's still is morally Re morally uh, reprehensible, yeah. I suppose. And, right. and to make him a more morally reprehensible character, I want to talk about his founding of the lobby firm. He, this is something I didn't know before I watched this. While he was in the Reagan administration, he founded a lobbying firm, and one of the people in that lobby firm was uh, Manafort. Paul Manafort, the one that they're putting in jail on those, you know, tax evasion charges. Right. And the one that's turning state's evidence, you know, not with anything to do with Russia tampering, stuff that he was doing before. But while they were working for the Reagan administration, they were taking money from dictatorships, violent, just from morally reprehensible leaders around the world, so they could lobby the United States government in order to give them favorable outcomes in, like, treaties and trade deals, etc. They were doing this while they were working for the government. 
<laughs> you know, so there's an inherent conflict of interest right there. They're yeah. basically the guys that got the gravy train rolling on lobbying. Because before this time period, it was kind of always seen as a really sleazy career. Um, but they got a kickstart. So then, having watched this documentary and watched this guy, and it's it's a very good documentary because he's in it. It's not video of him. He's talking to the filmmakers the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And all these other people that are in there are talking to him, too. They talked to Manafort. They talked to Trump. They talked to all these people that knew him. It was a very interesting film. And it was definitely left-leaning. I'm not going to say that it wasn't. But, yeah, it, it was a good film. I thought that in this one instance he was likable because he he had a sense of humor about it. Like, and anybody with a sense of humor is like at least intelligent, and I can like them on some level. Yeah. And uh, like, I'm probably going to get in trouble for repeating this on the internet, but he was like, he was going to visit his friend or whatever, and he opens the door of the office, and he's like, "Hey, I'm here with these filmmaker, communist, pinko, probably homosexuals." <laughs> Don't trust them. <laughs> I think I did see something about yeah. that, that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that sounds familiar. Yeah. And that made me really laugh. Yeah. But then at the same time, he's going on InfoWars and he's talking to, and, you know, Alex Jones every day, getting all those maniacs all fired up, you know, which is his right. But, the, you know, they're not telling the truth, everyone. Like, you know, yeah, let's right. come back down to earth. There are no interdimensional vampires or lizard people or chemicals in the water turning the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> it's so funny that like InfoWars I, I don't know, InfoWars kind of like presents itself as this legitimate agency until you start getting really deep in there. Yes. Like watching all the time. And then you start seeing the things about reptile people and, uh, and what's in the water that's supposedly making frogs gay. Um, no. And I'm not going to say everything that they're saying is wrong. Because, no. Well, that, and that's yeah. how they that, that's how they get people. In. That's why Trump's so effective. Yeah. Like, you know, Trump got in a lot of trouble with everybody again, but not real trouble, just media trouble. It's just outrage culture. It's not. Yeah. It has no actual consequence. He does something, and they, they want to be mad about it for three days, but he's like, whatever, it already happened, I'm on to the next thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Which, I, I think all of these, these people, and this is kind of the new way that, that people control people, is kind of this cult mentality. Uh, you basically lure somebody in with, with false promises, and it becomes like a cult. Um, that You get this cult following. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, kind of new age, I don't know if you want to call them religions or what the actual term is, but like Scientology, mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of the same way. It's it's a lot of promises about being happy, and then you, you bring people in, and uh, then the, the shade gets kind of lifted. I think Trump uh -oh. kind of does the same thing, and, and so does InfoWars and anything else. Um, you start saying a bunch of stuff that things that people have been thinking for a long time, uh, but haven't said themselves for whatever reason. They're afraid to say it. Um, then you get enough people saying the same thing, and then you can lift the lift the carpet or lift the veil a little bit, and then start saying some really crazy shit. 
Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it's a cult. Kind of. Yeah, there's a lot of cult-type personas happening right now. Yeah. And it's so, like, you know, obviously the information that's being put in front of us is being controlled. Like, it, it it's... Like, we're not even in crazy territory. Like, if you don't believe that the things that I think that I'm talking about are true, I think that you're just really naive. Because the NSA has that Utah data center supercomputer, which is just processing all the information on all of the networks that are available to it in the world, which is pretty much everything. Yeah, simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, instantly. And then it's putting it into, like, you can ask it a question. I mean, it's just a database. It's so powerful. Uh... Why is heart disease? Where is heart disease higher in this country? And then it'll it'll map it all for you. And then you can be like, well, why is it? The computer can like compound. Well, it's well, okay. Well, there's you know bad food around in a high density in this area, and that's why this happens. You know, like the amount of the amount of stuff that you can calculate with this machine is infinite. You know, and and like I'm thinking of elementary questions. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. The, right. These people are way smarter than us. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the people that have built this machine, the people that design these softwares to run these kinds of things, they're the best of the best. They're geniuses. And all of their advancements and all of their uh, contributions to our society and our civilization are being hoarded in order to perform these terribly intrusive privacy killing functions yeah you right. know it, it, it's just, it's a brain drain it's it's worthless i i read an article uh about bill gates and how he was reinventing the toilet or he you know trying to and they're saying that they're trying to bypass uh current sanitation infrastructure essentially eliminate the need for sewers at all yeah okay okay so if you can save all that money on that. And then one of the statistics that was in this article is that every $1 spent on sanitation yields $5.50. I've heard a similar figure about NASA, how every $1 yields something like 8 to $12 invested in aerospace research. So if we were spending all of this money on this stuff and send a like, I'm sure this information technology that we're spending this money on is going to lead to the thing that changes the world completely. Yeah. Um, and, and no one seems to see it coming. You know what I mean? Everybody's just walking around like, hey, what's happening right now is going to, you know, keep happening and it's not really going to be that big of a deal. But what, the iPhone is only like eight years old? Yeah, and, right. It's you know, not... It's it hasn't been around for that long. Yeah. Like, what is this technology going to be capable of in 25 years? Like, how are we going to be able to integrate these things? And I'm, I'm not really sure how I got off on this huge tangent or, 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 or what the point of it was when we began with these cult-like personalities. But everything is going to be radically different in this world within a quarter century. And it's scary. The, the world is not just going to hop on the completely different, I don't know, what, what word do I want to use? Paradigm of existence, completely different society. It's just not going to happen without some serious violence. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like we're a caterpillar metamorphosizing inside, uh, you know, 
of whatever they call those things. Pupas or whatever. Yeah. And and the shell's gonna have to break and the new society is gonna have to come out. And it's just can we get to that point without nuking each other to death? Or killing the planet? And I have a hard time believing that we can. I'm not an optimist in the situation. And that's why this is called the Soggy Podcast. Because it sucks. Okay? <laughs> Don't tune in to feel happy. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean, though. Um, but we're going to get some great stuff. Yeah. I, I don't really know what what's coming, but... I don't know if I if I agree that it's going to be this super violence. Um, I I don't think this generation is is that anymore. I think in in twenty five years. So I agree with you. Within twenty five years, things are going to change. Okay. Twenty five years from now, we're going to be in our mid fifties. We're going to be the old generation. Okay. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of people even in our generation that embrace war or violence like previous generations. I just, I think as time goes on, I think it's kind of outdated. Oh, like just the mindset of the concept of war? Yeah, right, exactly. I don't, I think it'll always be a, be around probably, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know, less and less. Uh, maybe war in itself will be a different thing, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a different mindset with our generation, especially the kids younger than us. Um, I feel like I can walk up to a group of of eighteen year olds and smack the shit out of them, and they won't do anything back. <laughs> that, that's how I feel. I feel like I can go up to any kid that's like less than twenty and and tug his hair and like kick him in the nuts. And like twist his nose and like, you know, start plucking out his eyebrows and stuff. In what neighborhood? In, I guess that's a legitimate point, but in the neighborhood of kids that are going to be running the world in 25 years. Okay. I, okay. I can see that. Yeah. I, I suppose, I suppose I can see your side of the point there. Um, my I, and I would agree with that America mindset in America, but the rest of the world is behind. Not the rest of the world, but the third world, like primarily like the African continent and like the sub Asian continent. Like, but that's that's the other point is I mean the way that wars are being won now is with drones, and we're not even traveling across seas to blow shit up anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're unmanned <laughs> from Americans, or they're unmanned aircraft what scares me about drone technology is miniaturization like they're going to be eventually able to make these things so small yeah like and and like nano machines they could probably and this is not crazy talk they they'll probably be able to put these things into like a big kind of smokestack contraption that'll disperse them up into the atmosphere so literally there'll be a nanobot in all the air that you breathe all the time. Yeah, I don't think that's very far off. No. Um, I would think even now, without having any kind of insider knowledge or, or proof of this, mm-hmm. I would almost guarantee that there's flies flying around that aren't flies, that are, it, yeah. that are spy bots. Or, they can make like machines that. like that. They can make machines like that. We've yeah. seen ones. They've shown us mosquito-style spy drones 
yeah. that are that big. Like, what do you think they haven't shown us? Right. These things are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, like, back to the point of using the supercomputer, like, these nanomachines that we're eventually going to be all breathing in, like, it's going to be having access to our biometric data. Like, it's going to know. And this is where I think that the world ends up. If it, I, I think that the machine may eventually replace God. Because the machine will have access to all of your information. It'll be like you're hooked up to like kind of like an MRI machine and a CAT scan machine and all this stuff all at the same time because these 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 diagnostic equipments are going to get better and better and better and better. Yeah. Right? So the machine is going to know what the best course of action for you is. If, if it's got monitoring your blood, it's like, oh, my God, if I tell this guy to eat a banana at 10.05 a.m., he's going to have a 37% more efficient day. Right. And it's going to know that. Yeah. Right? So if you wake up and you want to be happy and the computer knows how to make you the happiest, why wouldn't you worship it? Or I don't know if worship is the right word, but follow its desires or what it commands, whatever it is. And it's, and I don't think that it's going to be like a separate entity. I think that we're all going to be existing on this network. And, you know, people talk about how maybe you can infect us with a computer virus. And that I feel like in the future, that'll be part of our immune system. We'll need to have a firewall. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think it's kind of funny because a lot of the times, uh, we've done it before, too, in the podcast. And I don't remember what episode it was. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the stuff that we talk about is straight out of Metal Gear. And I I swear to God. Okay. They're they're in the newer games, the ones that take place in the future. They have nano machines, and the nano machines basically are in charge of healing, and um, are basically like a quick time response on your blood pressure and and okay. all of your vitals and that kind of stuff. Um, I really do think that 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 is the wave of the future, where all of us, and also the movie GI Joe, which was a shitty movie. But the concept behind the movie, did you ever see that? I, I The first one? Yeah. I remember that Cobra wanted to release, release a bunch of nanites. Yeah, which okay. were in like a gas form. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was the same kind of thing. It was basically a, uh, some kind of machine that disguised itself as a virus, basically. Okay. That would in, infect you and, and basically <clears throat> grow that way. Um, but yeah, I do think that that's absolutely the wave of the future. Um, Coffee's ready. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but but how couldn't it be? I mean, isn't that kind of what we're? It's inevitable. Isn't that kind of what we're working towards? Yeah, now? I, and I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with it. Like, yes, it's a wildly dangerous technology, but nuclear power was a wildly dangerous technology. Yeah, you know, electricity was a wildly dangerous technology. Gunpowder, and I, and, you know, like okay, these examples that I'm naming. Like, with the exception of the nuclear weapon, I don't think are as volatile as the what you can do with a nanomachine. You know, I'm sorry, but, like, with a nanomachine, it's even more effective than a nuclear weapon. Because you can specifically target without destroying any infrastructure. Yeah, and that's the exact word I was going to use. They're not nearly as effective either as as a nanomachine. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's, you know, going to be pretty close to perfect. I mean, if for example, if you had it, um, all of us, you know, some days you feel 
good. Some days you feel bad. Who knows what the reason is? Mm-hmm. If these nanomachines knew what the reason is, like say that, you know, maybe part of your body isn't getting enough vitamin A or something mm-hmm. as an example. And then these fucking nanomachines are going to carry this vitamin A to this specific. I think all of us would be perfect at that point. I think DNA, um, like the the DNA engineering mm-hmm. that everyone was talking about like 10 years ago, I think that's completely obsolete before it's even happened. Because if you have nanomachines that say you have poor eyesight, yeah, and your nanomachines can carry vitamin A to your eyes and completely cure your eyes and make them 20-20 vision, what's the point of even engineering someone's DNA if, if you have a... I see. If you have some kind of immune system or something that can perfectly cure everything. And these, these nanomachines, like, understand that when we're talking about these nanomachines, they're so inexpensive. They cost nothing to make. And you can make trillions of them, you know. And, and so when you when you get stabbed or you have an accident in which you're punctured, these nanomachines will detect this. They'll instantly travel to that area of the body, and they'll create a seal and a barrier and a temporary vein structure until, you know, genetic information can be transmitted to that area and material can be carried out, and they'll build it. They'll work in conjunction with your immune system. Right. They'll improve your immune system. They'll help it because they'll be able to identify all those things. They'll know what viruses are in your body. And what makes this very dangerous is, like, you can, you open the door for eugenics pretty easily. Um, if you want to weaponize it, you just put in anyone with a certain percentage of this specific race's DNA, exterminate. Yeah. You know, that right. that could easily be written in there. Yeah. You can you can write anything in there. Um now the concept that I thought of while we were talking about this is have you seen these articles where they or videos where they put some kind of device on a person's head and then they almost have like a wand that emits a magnetic wave? Yeah, I saw something about this, yeah. Okay. But what they're finding with these things is, is that when they run a magnetic wave in certain parts of the brain, you can change a person's attitude towards a subject. I remember one specific example they used was morality. Like, they asked people a bunch of questions, you know, without the magnetic thing in, how they felt about, like, a burglary or a sexual assault or a murder. And it was, like, across the board, I I don't like that. Yeah. Then they put this wand in there and they were much they they were much more lenient for justifying the activity of the person that performed the crime. I see. Okay. And in and in the article it named a couple of uses for this and how it could be dangerous. They said it, a positive wise um if someone is a violent criminal you can use some technology like this in order to alter their brain in a way where they don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, the other thing they said is that you could put it in the helmets of soldiers in order to dumb down their morality instinct to make them killing machines, you know, both of which are totally viable. But what in conjunction to the nano thing, what I was thinking is I thought of George Bush's, we need to win their hearts and minds. 
What if you could program these nanomachines to emit magnetic waves in certain parts of the brain in order to make an entire country's population recipient to you or open to your ideas? Yeah. Hey, we don't want to go with war with you. Just sign this trade deal and none of this will happen. And you basically brainwash the entire country. They go right along with it like lemon. Right. These technologies are going to be awesome. They, they are. And I think it's even bigger than, than what we're saying. I think, I think that would be the thing that completely changes society. I think that would also be the thing that gives us all the answers medically that we've been looking for. Mm -hmm. We still don't understand the full function of the brain or certain no. organs. If we had tiny machines in there to show us what the, that was, it's the, it's the missing link as far as that goes. But I think society, I don't even think there would be a need to brainwash somebody if if we had such a perfect society that was was being run by machines that everybody has inside of them. I, I don't think there would be any need for any kind of brainwashing of any kind. It's, it's almost like it would turn us into an, an ant. Like we'd become an individual function of a larger whole. Yeah. And we probably already are to a, a large extent because I feel like nature repeats itself, you know, on ever larger scales, but in variety. Um, but back to that hive mind mentality, like if all of us, and, and the thing is, the thing about the ant is it's called the drone. Right. You know? Yeah. There's a queen, there's soldiers, and then there's workers and drones. Yeah, they all and each one of them has a function. And no one questions their function in the hive. Yeah, they, whether it means dying or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, there's no, as far as that goes, there's no survival instinct. Now they're not going to all march into a fire unless they're trying to save the queen or something mm -hmm. like that. But um, ants are so stupid uh, sometimes because, like, I, you know, I'll be in the bathroom or something and I'll kill an ant. And then the Undertaker ants come to take that ant away. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to fucking kill you, too. Like, are you stupid? <laughs> you know, like, and I do it. I kill them. And then here come more Undertaker ants to take those ants away. Um, but like you said, they all have a job and they don't question it. And it's just, mm -hmm. oh, there's a dead ant there. And now we have to take it back to the hiding area. Yeah. It's the, those those creatures are amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen a couple of videos where they, like, pour molten aluminum or molten yeah, platinum right. thing. And they do the thing. But I saw this this one where it was just immense. Like I, you know, I've seen ones maybe the size of this kitchen, you know. But this this one that I saw was like bigger than my whole house. And they had dug it out that much, you know. Yeah. Like those creatures, like there's no way they could do that without having some type of engineering intelligence. Right. Like that's that you know. Yeah, the the fact that the whole thing doesn't just collapse on itself mm -hmm. is yeah, that's a modern marvel. Yeah, that's that's absolutely incredible. It really yes, it really really is. And sections of those things collapse, and yeah. then they rebuild them or whatever. You know, but so do our fucking mining tunnels and everything else. And we're so smart, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we're not. We don't have it perfect either. Right. Yeah. In insects, the the and. Like, when I think of nanobots, I think of the insects. Yeah. Like, I picture them the same way. They they serve a singular function. They work together. They can be programmed to do different things. And, and, and what they're going to be able to do 
like I said, it's it's scary as hell. But I hope the way that it turns out is it integrates us all into this shared network. Yeah. Where we can maximize our potential because we can we have a computer calculating how to reach our maximum potential and giving us that information. And if our like some people have depression, some people have you know other mental you know holdups or whatever ailment it is that is keeping you from you know being the best that you can be yeah you know and then a lot of times it's just attitude if, if if these things can like change our brains to be more like the most successful people that ever existed like what what if you could hook this up to like a stephen hawking and it would oh that's how their brain is wired and that's why they're so smart yeah right okay now it transmits it to all the nanomachines, and you've just boosted the intelligence of the entire population of the Earth by 70 points. Yeah. Like, and, and it'll keep making it better. We'll get exponentially better. The brain will become almost like a semi-artificial uh, organ. Yeah. With, with it. So, you know, I'm all for turning myself into a cyborg. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. Ever, yeah. ever since I was a kid, I mean, any of that kind of stuff, you know, I was, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, I didn't have really any nerd friends, should we call it, or I didn't have much of a nerd upbringing, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I still, still, I would, I would, you know, kind of appeal to that. I remember, you know, certain video games and stuff, none of my friends would be interested in them. But I'd freaking get them, and I'd just get a boner over them. I would totally <laughs> shadow run for the Sega Genesis, and like I would see all these implants that you can put in your your character, and like mm -hmm. uh, go into the Matrix, and like basically you're inside a computer and like battling with a computer, uh, trying to hack it that way. Sweet. I thought that shit was fucking awesome when I was a kid. I thought that that was amazing. Shadow Run is an RPG. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if that is it, it the yeah. same. It's the okay. same thing. It was a Super Nintendo and a Sega Genesis game. Cool. And then there's computer games for it too. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Starfinder is like a mock Shadow Run. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A very very cool stuff. That nano stuff. I can't wait to see what they're going to be able to do with. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I would like to see the government start to start to fund and start to. It, that yeah. that would be a much better use of our freaking tax dollars. And, well, yeah, I mean, it it will render the entire military infrastructure obsolete. What is a fighter jet going to do against a nano? Yeah, right. Nothing. Yeah, and Nothing. that's you know, um. I think Terminator and, and those kind of movies are like man versus machine. I think they kind of picture the machines being these hulking figures, mm -hmm. like these these stronger than human being figures. Where I think if anything, it's going to be a fucking ant that yeah. that can't be crushed. Yeah, it's that, a swarm. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it can swarm you. Yeah, like how are how are you going to flame throw the air? Yeah, you're going exactly. to, is you going to set the entire atmosphere on fire? Yeah. Are you going to fucking nuke a, something that's smaller than a grain of salt? Mm -hmm. You're going to create an EMP wave? What? It, it's going to be localized. It's going to completely cripple the human infrastructure. Yeah. We will have no retaliatory response. And it will just make 10 billion more nano machines in, in the next 30 minutes and disperse them again. Right. And we will stand no chance. We will stand no chance of survival against that thing. Yeah. And they just keep pumping data into that Utah data center. Oh, let's just keep pumping data into it. 
And I, you know, I thought about this and I've gotten a couple looks about it and like a, a social network is kind of like a neural network. The people are inputting their thoughts. It's a human thought. Like a person thought about a sentence, wrote it down and input it. Yeah. Okay. So this, this thing is taking neural inputs from 7 billion people. Like when does it reach critical mass? Like when does it have enough data? To like something bad happens. Like I don't. I I think that these things are capable of taking a leap forward on their own. Like we, they keep programming these artificial intelligences to see what they can do. And I think I think one of them is going to make the first step. It's going to make, and then it's going to take ten million more steps within a fraction of a second. And it'll have decided whether or not it'll kill us all, or what it should do with us, or what the best solution is. Yeah, and 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 that'll be it. That'll be it. Um, I don't know. Did you did you see the Star Trek movie um, Into Darkness? That was the one with uh, Benedict Cumberpatch as as Khan. Uh no, I never did see that. I just saw the first one. Okay. The first new one. The first new one. The, the con one is pretty good. Uh, Beyond or whatever. It was kind of a mess, but the, that one's really good. There's a couple of things brought up in that movie that are really interesting. Um, but anyway, what happens at the very beginning is Khan is trying to get revenge. So he basically manipulates a Star Trek officer into carrying out uh, suicide bombing on a secret military lab of okay. Starfleet. Yeah. Okay. Blows it up. He then Starfleet called the conference in order to talk about it and they meet with all the top brass, you know, is in this meeting to talk about it. They're reviewing the bombing. And the way that they're doing it is they have, they're sitting at this table and they have all these heads up displays that exist in a three dimensional space where they can take the image of the bombing. They can move in on it just like an iPhone. They can zoom out on it. They can go to any angle. Yeah. They've got it from everywhere. They can review everything. And I thought, how is it that they were able to capture that? Right. Do they have cameras literally mounted everywhere that can 3D construct and render a model like that? That's one likely outcome, but I thought that the more likely outcome is that the air is literally canvas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first thought when you were saying mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And, and, and not only will it be the elimination of disease, it will be the elimination of crime. You will not be able to commit a crime without it knowing, without the network knowing, because it'll have access to all the information. Yeah. You, the, the whole thing will be on film. I could, like, wave my hand like this, and I could have just passed my hand through 10 billion cameras, all transmitting information. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a camera that captures the whole room. It can be one little photon receptor that just captures one little cell of information, and all of those photon receptors together can render a 3D model. Like, these technologies are wild, and... I'm so glad that we're alive when you get to see them come into concept. And, and like, what they're going to be able to do in the next 50 years is just amazing. I'm, what they'll be able to do in 500 years, 
if we're still alive and we haven't killed ourselves with these technologies. Yeah, or blown us ourselves into another dark age where we're fucking hitting each other with sticks and stones. Mm-hmm. That's so, another likelihood. Yeah, that's the likelihood <laughs> I suspect. <laughs> where we're fucking cavemen again because we just blow everything up. Yeah. Damn you! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that, yeah, talk about a great movie. Uh, yeah, I I think that's another likely. I think there's a lot of likely scenarios, though. So, who knows which one is going to be right? Yeah, well, exactly. Who knows which one is going to be right? I'm pretty sure it's going to be a bad one. Soggy podcast. <laughs> well, based on the way things are going... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to see anything good on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Like, the, I mean, did you, I, we might have talked about this last week. Did you see the, the Chinese, uh, how they're putting the chips into those little microprocessing boards that are yeah. transmitting data and giving them backdoor access and everything? Yeah, everything we like did that. talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's just the start. <laughs> right. You know? What else have they got? Yep. You know, like it's going to make it completely viable for a country like Russia or China or anyone who develops this technology to shoot first with it. You'll win if you shoot first. And that's, that's really, that's all that's keeping them from shooting is the fact that they know they could lose. Like as soon as somebody knows they can't lose, look at what America's doing. Like, and we think we could lose, and we're still acting this way with, you know, swinging our military might around the world. Yeah. What do you think and another country's going to do? Everybody's doing whatever they want to do, especially in politics. They basically just think they're untouchable. Yeah. It seems that the hubris is at an all-time high in my lifetime. And when you get that arrogant, when you get, when you ignore the populations that you're damaging, this much, they're not going to have anything left to lose. No, and you know what they fucking call that? It's Humpty fucking Dumpty sat on a wall and had a great fall. Trump is fucking Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> <laughs> he has nowhere to go but off the wall. Oh my god, Humpty Dumpty's org, huh? <laughs> Humpty Dumpty. That that is exactly what it is. Uh, I think that's what that story is. It's basically, don't get too big for your britches. The freaking. By the way, who determined that Humpty Dumpty is a fucking egg? Um, like, haven't you always heard that Humpty Dumpty is an egg? Yes, but egg. I've also heard that Humpty Dumpty is an egg, is a cannon. A cannon? Yeah. Now this is I I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that Humpty Dumpty was one of these original cannons, like these giant ones from like the 16th century, maybe the 17th century, you know, so 15, 1600. And it sat atop this big wall, and the fortress could secure this large area because of this cannon. And they, somehow the cannon dislodged from the wall and fell from the wall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Yeah. So, but I don't know if that's I true. See. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. It's cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely cool. 
uh, yeah, I guess it could be an egg. Uh, I guess that's where the egg comes from, mm-hmm. is that last line that all the king's horse and all the king's men couldn't put Umpty together again. Because mm-hmm. if you fucking drop an egg, man, fuck. Yeah, that's it. Dude, you're not putting that thing no. back together. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of that egg. <laughs> all right. Let's glue these eggs back together. <laughs> not after. Not after. Um, so speaking of Trump being Humpty Dumpty, uh, let's talk about his, his speech on immigration. Okay. So I, it was on Facebook live. Wait, you know what? Let's recoin this whole thing and say, let's talk about Trump's speech on illegal immigration. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about Trump's speech on illegal immigration, which I agree with. Yeah. You know? I, I, I'm to the left on a lot of issues, but immigration is not one of them. Like, you need to follow the law to come into the country. I don't even understand why that's left, though. You know what I mean? And that's what a lot of people understand or uh, kind of uh, interpret this as. But when Obama was in office, I remember him saying the same exact fucking thing. Yes. If you're going to come here, you need to come here legally. He yeah. said the same fucking thing. And now Trump's a racist. Yeah. I, I don't. I really don't understand. I mean, there there has been times of Trump being a racist asshole. Oh, don't get, no, don't definitely. Get wrong. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely does happen. But when you're when you're saying that these people need to come in the country legally, that's that's grasping at straws there. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the line in the speech that stood out to me and stood out to the entire world apparently because he had to walk back on it. A couple of days later, he's like, I didn't say shoot him. He just said, treat it like a, treat a rock like a rifle. Cause, you know, these, this crowd that's, uh, this immigrant caravan that's a couple hundred miles away, he said, if we don't take a hardline stance on this one, other greater caravans will become more emboldened and they'll try it again. And we'll be dealing with this problem over and over again. And he's like, the current system that we have is jokingly called catch and release. We catch these people, we give them a court date, we let them go, and we never see them again. Yeah, right. Which is probably, I don't know what the statistics are on that, but honestly, it sounds right. That, that's why Trump is so powerful, is because he tells truths that no one else will tell, but then he lies about everything else. And, and people know that what he said at the core of an issue is the truth, and, that, and, and no one else is saying and they know that the mainstream media and the mainstream politicians and the establishment are lying to them about it, and that's why Trump's powerful. And and Trump coming out there and taking a hard-line stance on immigration and saying, we're not going to release these people anymore. We're going to build these temporary tent camps because the current facilities that we have are overflowing. Uh, and we're going to hold these people, and we're going to process them, and we're going to deport them, you know, which is what you should do. Yeah. In my opinion. I don't think, like you said in a text message to me a couple days ago, where do people get off thinking that just because you get in here, you should have squatters rights? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, you entered the country illegally. What do you mean you have rights, like, right now? Like, I I shouldn't say, what do you mean you have rights? Like, I believe that we should probably implement some kind of universal human rights system. Yeah, absolutely. I do agree that people are here illegally mm-hmm. have a right to a, a court date and a court date in front of a judge mm-hmm. and or a court date in front of a jury. I think there's certain rights that should, if you're in the United States, whether you're a citizen or not, you should have. 
I, I, I would like to agree with that statement, but the only reason I might take up a stance against it is because of the amount of time that that takes. And that is an issue. Yeah. yeah. And he said, he said that he said that in the speech is that it takes three, it's sometimes it takes 18 months up to three years to get these people through the court system. Yeah. And that, which is, that's way too long. Yeah. Which is a huge tax burden. Yeah. Uh, and it jams up the system. So, Yes, I would say that they need to see something or there needs to be some determination with these people, but I don't know if it's through our traditional court system. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like maybe we just need to form a couple of bodies of like five individuals and we have like these operating cells that can move around and make these judgments. And honestly, we know what judgments they're going to make because they're all going to be federally appointed. It's going to be the administration of the Times opinion on how these committees rule, which is going to be, they're fucking out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he says that we're not going to let this caravan in. We're not going to let future caravans in. If they throw rocks like they had been throwing at the Mexican army and police, we're, he told the soldiers and the generals to treat it like a rifle. That was the jaw-dropping line for me. That was like, oh, my God. I yeah. don't know why I feel so good when he says that. But, I <laughs> like, I do. Well, because it's it's pretty, I mean, you know, there's there's wrongdoers everywhere, mm-hmm. and there's there's wrongdoers in, in Trump's administration, including Trump, at times, but then there's also wrongdoers in this whole caravan of people that are coming up, and basically forcing their way through <laughs> through an entire continent mm-hmm. um, to get here. Um, they're still what two thousand miles away, or, or something like that. I That's, think I like, I saw some kind of map, and I think it said they're like two months away from yes. from traveling, which, which is fine. I don't understand why that's even a relevant point because they're still coming to the border. Yeah, and it, and people are like, oh, they're not even close. They're like two months away. Like two months is a long time. Like, yeah, right. Like, exactly. <laughs> Do you remember two months ago? Two months ago it was fucking September. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like, it's not long. Yeah, it seems like yesterday. All right. Um, so that yeah, I know that that's uh, one thing about it. But um, yeah, you can't. I don't know. It, there's perks everywhere, and if you think you're gonna, you know get through every nation's army by throwing a bunch of fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Trump could have been a, a prick about the Mexican army, but he, oh, kinda, he was, he kind of <laughs> was, yeah, but he, he kind of backpedaled, you know, right away. It's like, right. uh, basically he said that they mowed over the Mexican army with <laughs> yeah. a bunch of rocks. But then right after that said, there's tough people in there. There's tough people in this yeah. caravan. They're very tough people. Yeah, but he said, uh, but no way that would happen to our military. No way. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Which he made it very clear that there was no way they were getting in here, which I agree with. You can't, you can't just like, okay, 14,000 of you, we're going to give you all a court date. Like what happens when the 30,000 30, person immigrant caravan forms? And like, how much money does it cost to house them? How much money does it cost to feed them? Like, this is a tax burden on the population that lives here for a bunch of people that are committing crimes. Yeah. It is a crime. We're broke. We're, yeah. we're absolutely broke. And we, um, we can't, we can't afford this. No. And, and, you know, like, as soon as you, like, make the argument that we're making, people want to call you a racist. It's like, do you have any idea how many homeless people we have in this country? Yeah. Like, I was just in Los Angeles. It's a lot. 
Yeah. Okay. Right. It's a lot. You know, walk around Chicago sometimes, you know, be tense around the side of the road. And they're going to say, oh, you're just changing the subject. You know, this is these are these. And like, yeah, we are making classic left and right talking points. These are kind of talking points that we're talking. You know, so there's these box answers. There's these prepackaged yeah, answers right. and, and ideas that you're supposed to have. You know, it's a complex issue. There are many sides to it. But illegal immigration is illegal. I like how all of a sudden it's no longer illegal immigrant. It's undocumented worker. Yeah. Like what? worker is the the key word. Yeah. Worker. Um, I I hate the argument that um, a lot of the times the left makes that uh, these people are taking jobs that nobody else wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's presumptive as fuck. Uh, first of all, because I know a lot of people that want those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they want to come up here and get those jobs, why the hell can't they get a work visa? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, it's not like um, it would be impossible to get a work visa in these situations. Right, exactly. It absolutely isn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, my entire dad's side of the family are all immigrants. Uh, First-generation immigrants. It's not like their their fathers came over here. Uh, my dad came over here on a fucking boat. So I, I it's not hard. It's Once you're here, sometimes the... The process of going from a, a green card alien mm-hmm. to a full-fledged citizen, the government gra- drags its feet on everything. Okay. Um, that you, That's a different story than coming over here and jumping into a country that you're not fine to, to occupy. Uh, that's yeah. a different issue. Yeah, there's um, there's a real problem with that. We can't We can't allow it. Also, we have to stop undermining these South American governments. But that's another big part of the problem. Yeah, right. Like, America is a big part of the reason this happened. Because when you overthrow these democratically elected governments and replace them with violent regimes, or not even replace them, you don't even replace them, you just let them infight so they can't... That that seems to be the new American strategy. Don't try to control anything. Just fuck it up so bad and make it... So you only need to control certain areas of the country where the resources are. That's that's their new strategy. Yeah. Like undermine the state, turn it into a failed state, and then there's no organized resistance. So extraction of capital is easier. You know, which is uh, you know, not really working out. No. <laughs> no. It is for the extraction of capital. Yeah, okay. It right. certainly is. They're extracting capital like mad. Like in Libya, you know how much oil they're pumping out of there, and they're they're getting it for like nothing. They're getting it for like nothing because ISIS is selling it to them. So they're selling, you know, hot oil. It's stolen oil. You're not supposed to be able to buy it. You know what I mean? So they got to sell it at a discount in order for these countries to take the risk of buying it and get caught buying it. But everyone's buying it. Yeah, Russia's buying it. China's buying it. India's buying it. We're buying it. Europe's buying it. Everyone. Yeah. And that's why you never, that's why no one ever reports on them selling that oil because everybody's doing it and nobody wants to be the guy that looks bad. Because if you're like, hey, look, Turkey's buying all this oil from ISIS, Turkey will turn around and say, yeah, well, here's Russia buying it. Here's the United States buying it. Here's the United <laughs> Kingdom buying it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because right. spy planes all got picture of these different ships transporting this oil. You know? 
Oh, Zach, that's a conspiracy theory. You don't have any proof of that. Like, what are you, fucking stupid? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you don't know anything, just the concept of where the oil is coming from. Yes. And there's a gang of people that are basically like a country in themselves. Their number is so high. And their ideology is so strong that obviously they're going to control the resources of that area. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. And anyone that doesn't like it, they're going to kill. Yeah. And that's the way that that's the way that the world works. And don't be naive and think that I, I love it when these politicians or these world leaders they come out and they give this impassioned emotional position, like it, like it fucking matters in the slightest, like how we emotionally feel about the situation, because it doesn't. Like that's just surface talk. That's just to get everybody in this zone where, like, oh, we feel like our inputs matter here. Oh, your feelings feel good. My feelings feel good. Well, the policy that's horrible is just going to keep right on going. But, you know, as long as we talked it out and we got the verbiage correct, it's, it's all good. I mean, we don't want to call them illegal. We don't want to call them illegal immigrants. That sounds horrible. How about we just call it? undocumented workers and we'll, we'll nerf all the edges on this whole conversation and we'll just make it so that if you venture outside of this tiny little avenue of approved opinions on this matter well then you're a racist or 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 a bigot or uh whatever tag that's gonna give the most outrage during this news cycle is what we're gonna slap you with yeah oh, you know like if if alec baldwin's offense like, you know, fighting over a parking spot. Like, if they came up with a, like, a hot nickname for it, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Parking lot puncher or something like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not that punchy. <laughs> Some, something, you know. Lop. What, what do you call it? Lop clopper? <laughs> you know, there'd be brained and everybody with that title for three or four days as long as it holds steam. Yeah, yeah. It's just this whole country is just fucking stupid. It it really is. Uh, I mean, hypocrisy is really the the center of everything. Hypocrisy. Whatever administration is in is going to say the same fucking thing <laughs> that the other administration, the previous administration, said, and their supporters are going to support them while simultaneously saying how poor the the last. A bunch of groups was. did. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 ridiculous. And I think I think the perfect example is um I mean I, I remember seeing that video of President Obama going on uh I don't remember if it was a State of the Union address or what it was, but he said something about immigrants having to enter the country legally. Mm-hmm. And it's the same exact fucking thing. That this orange douchebag is saying, yeah, and it's it, it's being treated like it's completely different. Yeah, they called Obama the deporter in chief because he deported more people than any other U.S. president ever. And I was behind him one hundred percent on that. And uh, you know what? I, I don't understand. I, I really don't. I don't no, really don't get it. I don't get it either. And like, oh, like, okay, the one field where the Venn diagrams don't overlap on the Trump deportation policy and the Obama deportation policy is Obama really focused on deporting the immigrants with criminal records. Trump is deporting illegal immigrants, whether or not they have illegal yeah. criminal records. Like, right. oh, you're here illegally? Fuck off. See you later. Yeah. 
you know, and, and ice, like ice is doing a lot of nefarious things. Ice is a different, different part of the argument to mm-hmm. me. I think the tactics that ice uses is total horseshit. I think they are modern, uh, I think they're, yeah, I, I don't want to even use that word because Nazism is like so in vogue right now. Yeah. With, with, uh, but that's the exact word that, that popped in my head mm-hmm. right away. Um, ba- basically they're, they're, they're a police organization that's willing to overlook, uh, cruel and unusual punishment to get what they want done. Yeah. They're, they're a, they're an entity who has a, what do they call that? A mission statement and they'll achieve that mission statement no matter what it takes. Yeah. And I'm, but, like, dealing with Mexican gang cartels, like, they'll cut your head off. They'll cut your neck open and pull your tongue out. They'll murder your whole family. Like, these, these people, you don't want to fuck with. They're very tough. Is, yeah, is yeah they're very tough. very tough. They are very tough. So, if you, you know, if you join ICE, like, you're signing up for that. Yeah. Like, They'll put a hit out on your family, you know. But they, why? Why not two separate organizations? You know what I mean? Why not ICE for for those douchebags? Mm-hmm. And then for the families that are here that have never committed any kind of crime or or anything like that, why not some other kind of organization? Why does it have to be people with with uh, submachine guns and and you know bulletproof vests kicking somebody's door down? Why can't it be somebody with a briefcase and a tie? Showing up, uh, with a couple of, you know, armed bodyguards in, mm-hmm. instead. You know, I mean, I think there, there can be lines drawn as, as far as, as that goes. Oh, I completely agree. And then, and, and that's a whole other issue. It's the militarization of the local police force. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, to get soggy on that for a minute, like that is like, the Pentagon keeps selling local municipalities war equipment. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, when we lived in, uh, Genoa city, there's, there's an armory in Elkhorn. mm -hmm. There's a, there's a a militia armory in Elkhorn in case the shit hits the fan. Uh, I don't think they ever said what was in there, but the building is fucking huge. I'm sure it's a bunch of those bear cats. Yeah. You know, like all, all these local police departments around here have a bear cat. Yeah. Like, and we live in, we live in the north suburbs of Chicago. Like, what on earth would we need a bear cat for? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. Uh, to get a fucking, I, I don't know, to get a cat out of a tree? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do you need that for at all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they bought them. And then, and, you know, one of the ways that they were saying is that they, the Obama administration was, the Obama administration had actually pretty tight gun laws. They couldn't really change the existing gun laws, so they had a strategy of controlling the ammunition. It was a very good strategy, um, if that was your goal, was to control the ammunition. One of the things that they did is one of the last remaining lead foundries in North America got shut down and moved it over to China, which made the access to the material to manufacture the ammunition harder and more expensive to get. Yeah, I see. Okay. That was one wing of the plan. The other is that they started buying as much ammunition via the Defense Department and Department of Homeland Security and all these local municipalities as they possibly could. They purchased something like 
trillion rounds at one point during the Obama administration. I want to say it was like 2014 when they did that. And what it, like, I know a lot of people that like own guns and like were pretty avid gun people, and you couldn't get certain calibers of ammunition. Uh, Forty-fives, yeah, twenty-two, impossible to get. Mm -hmm. They're absolutely impossible. I remember going with a friend of ours, and um, we tried three different places because he just got a forty-five, and he was able to finally find one box of ammunition somewhere that they're willing to sell because they were so scarce. And the price on it was sky high. It was like a dollar a bullet. Yeah. Uh, so it was really expensive. I think it was fifty dollars for a box of fifty rounds. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's never how it was before. Do you remember when we were growing up and that? Uh, I mean, Columbine happened, but then that movie Bowling for Columbine happened. Yes. And they were they showed that Kmart that had like a whole wall of mm -hmm. ammunition at it. That was just like some. Small Kmart in, I think it was in Colorado or, yeah. or something like that. But Yeah, they wheeled those kids in there and they were like, why are you selling bullets? And they were yeah. like, oh, sorry, kid, we'll stop selling all these bullets. And then they removed all the ammo and that fucking totally undermined Kmart and put them out of business in the long run. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> now there's not a Kmart within like 50, yeah. 50 fucking miles. Yeah, and that's because everybody was like, all right, Kmart, you bunch of pussies. <laughs> you fucking yielded to these wounded children's pleas. <laughs> what are you, a bunch of fucking faggots? <laughs> You're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> we don't mean the gay kind. We mean, I can't remember what joke. What? Yeah, that was some comedian. <laughs> there was some right? joke. There was some joke recently. Oh, it was it? It was Joey Diaz. I just watched Joey Diaz's special on uh, the Netflix. He's like, it's like, it's like, what we say, faggot. I ain't gonna stop saying faggot. I'm an old man. You can't change the rules right in the middle. I mean, besides, faggot doesn't even mean gay. He's like, you ever see a guy waiting for a bus and he puts his fingers in his ears when it honks? Faggot. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. Joey Diaz is funny. Yeah, he's so funny. <laughs> he's he is really funny. He's just disgusting man. That's yeah, he, he really is. is. He's on Joe Rogan and he is just I'm I'm a, kind of afraid of him. I would be a Oh I, I wouldn't want to be within a fucking mile <laughs> I really when I say disgusting, I mean that in every sense of the word. I really believe that Joey Diaz would be the guy that if you were hanging out with him, you would eventually see his penis. At some point. <laughs> <laughs> you would eventually see his penis. He'd buy like a dollar prostitute and rip it out right, right in front of you. There'd be no shame whatsoever. Uh, he's, he's disgusting. He's disgusting. Well, I like it. So yeah, me too. Really <laughs> yeah, we do it's like awesome. it. We do like you, Joey. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that as 100% compliment. I'm afraid of you, Joey. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid too. <laughs> I don't know what you'd be able to convince me to do. Um, but uh, transitioning now into Chicago sports, we were just talking about Michael Jordan, the Bulls, and Magic Johnson, and all that, and how... Uh, Shaq actually came out as like one of the first people to be a flat earther. Well, in in recent, I mean, there, there's always been flat earthers, mm -hmm. but you know this recent movement. Yeah, I think this is you know two three years ago. 
I, I think he's since re retracted his statements. Well, um, but he was just, you know, everybody's confused about it, but I don't understand. Basically, what had happened is they were arguing about it, and they brought out somebody, brought up somebody that was a flat earther, and then uh, the one guy, it's one of the other basketball players that does commentary on one of those networks, said something about him being an idiot. And Shaq, it was like real awkward and quiet, and Shaq said, "Well, I, I do believe the Earth is flat." Oh, now that you say it that way, I do remember. That. Yeah, he basically said that if you're on a long drive or something. That you can't see over the horizon mm -hmm. for a which while, is, which is why the Earth is round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but I mean, anyway, ballsy of Shaq to actually say that and not just go, okay. Yeah, like right. Well, I mean, it's easy to be ballsy when you're freaking seven foot one and three hundred and fifty pounds. But well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot to be scared of, except the police. <laughs> well, even that, I don't. I don't think a bullet would stop Shaq. I don't. I don't think. I don't think when you're seven foot one and like four hundred pounds, I don't think a bullet is going to stop you. I think multiple bullets will stop you, sure. But I don't. I think if you get shot once in the body, yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think you're fucked. Hmm. Is it, are his organs the same size of everybody else's organs? No, they, they no. Do you think had, they're larger? Do you think his heart is like yes. ab abnormally larger? Do you really think I so? think it would be in proportion to the rest of his body. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think hearts kind of have a So a you're saying that you and I have the same size organs? Yeah. Really? I mean, certain ones. Okay. Certain ones. Like, um, I wonder if that's a universal. <laughs> is that a universal thing? Like, we all have the same size heart? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know. No, I think they, it's... So they take them out, like, okay, I'm picturing these uh, cop shows. They take the organs out, and then they put them in a scale. Yeah, because I think, you know, there's certain variances. But I don't, otherwise, otherwise, when when Jack dies, they would just throw his organs in the garbage because nobody else would be able to take a, a transplant from him. Hmm. I, I don't think, I don't think it varies that much. I really don't. All right. So. I think I think my point is I think Shaq is going to have a lot more dead air. <laughs> <laughs> I got where you're going in his body and and in his, perhaps in his, his head region. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, uh, <laughs> Shaq. I also love you. I'm not trying yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, we love you, Shaq. <laughs> Shaq Fu was great. Kazam was great. You were a big part of my. Childhood, Jack. Yeah. yeah. And I always loved seeing you play basketball because you played in an era where I watched basketball back And when... he was a huge guy. That was actually fucking good. Yes. Which never happens. Right. My dad would lovingly call those guys Coke machines. Coke machines. <laughs> the bear, the, specifically the Bulls players. Yeah. I remember hearing that for the first time and I didn't understand what it meant. But then when I saw the, the outfits, uh, the uniforms. Yeah. And uh, the really big guys, I was like, wow, that's like the best possible thing to call. Yeah, really they don't do anything. Yeah, They exactly. just obstruct yep, yep. the Coke machine. Oh, every time Luke Longley would miss a layup, yep. Coke machine. <laughs> yep. Luke Longley and uh, Bill Wellington. Those Tony Kukoc. Those are our, our centers. Yeah, but, but Kukoc could play. Kukoc yeah, he was shoot. awesome. 
Kukoc, I think, was an all-star two or three times. He was an awesome yeah, player. He was awesome. Yeah, I love That team was so good. Yeah. That team was so good. There'll never be anything like it in sports again. I mean. No. I, I You know, the Golden State Warriors are obviously very dominant. You know, they'll go down as one of the greatest franchises in NBA history. Or greatest dynasties in NBA history. These teams have dynasties. The NBA has always been a dynasty league. Yeah. You know, the Celtics, the Lakers, the, the, you know, the Rockets, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Spurs. Yeah, it does kind of go every five or six or more years, you seem to get new, new dynasty. Um, I think that kind of went away for a while. I don't follow basketball as, as, as much as the other sports anymore, though. I mean, there's been a couple of years where I've tried to follow, um, and I still really wasn't. There's a few games that I can watch, and there's a few games that are really exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, the Bulls from 2009 until about 2013 yes. started to get pretty exciting. Yeah, I remember one, they made the Eastern Conference Final against the Celtics, and it went to seven games. I, yeah, and then they... Yeah. Yeah, that was the, that was when I lived uh, in Grace Lake. Yeah. Okay. And um that those that was a great series. It was great. Yeah. It was great basketball. Everything about it was so good. And they lost in seven games, but Yeah. Man, they played their ass off. But they had I mean they had the characters that, that you had in the nineties and stuff. I think that's something that's so underrated in any sports. You can't just have the players. You have to have the guys that get the, the crowd going, the, the audience behind them. Because I think it was 2011 or 2012, somewhere in that era, uh, I think LeBron had still played for the um, Cavaliers the, in his first run of playing for the Cavaliers. Okay. I could be wrong on that. But I think it was LeBron was still on the Cavaliers the, the first time he played with them. And um, I think we had just lost to to the Cavaliers, and LeBron and uh, Joakim Noah always have, like, this back-and-forth uh, rivalry, like, trash talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joakim Noah got in front of of uh, the press for a press conference. He was visibly, like, pissed off. <laughs> and they said something about, about Cleveland, and he just looked at the reporters and, like, was super smart-ass and was like, what's so great about Cleveland? Do you ever hear anybody going on to Cleveland on vacation. <laughs> that, was like, that was the funniest thing I've yeah. ever heard. But that's the kind of thing, like, that gets everybody behind that because that's fucking funny. Yeah. That's really funny. And it's, like, a, totally a character move. And you know what? I That's funny that you mentioned that because I have a similar story about, uh, what's his name, Joakim? Yeah. Joakim Noah. I, I, and it's it was, like, his third or fourth year playing here. And all the reporters were asking him about going on the circus trip, you know. Yeah, right, just, yeah. For those of you that don't know, because Joe Kim Noah didn't know in this story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. He, the circus trip, it was back when we had the circus before it was discontinued, the Barnum Bailey Circus. Well, circus would come to town and it would go to the United Center where the Bulls played for like 10 days. 10, and days. the Bulls and the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. So both of them would have away games for like two weeks yeah. in a row. And it was called the circus trip because that's the reason that it was that long. And that, you know, so Joe Kim Noah is sitting in the locker room and the reporters come up to him and they just played the last game before they go on the circus trip. And, you know, 
it's just like he's, you know, all right, how do you feel about going on the circuit trip this year, Joe Team? He's like, he's mad. He's like, I don't know why you call it all a circus. This isn't a joke to anybody. <laughs> he's like, you ask the question every year. Getting <laughs> sick of answering it. So, somewhere in that zone, I'm paraphrasing, you know? Yeah. But that was yeah. the emotional charge. And then they said to him, you know, they, well, they call it the circus trip because the circus comes to town, and that's why you guys have to leave because the circus is on the building. And it dawned on him, and he's like, the look on his face. Yeah, he's you like, could see the, like the light bulb. Come yeah, on. he's like, oh yeah, and like it was totally like a warm feeling, and like if you looked in his eyes at that moment, you could tell that he was like a nice guy and a cool character. Yeah, like, because he was like <laughs> kind of like I'm a fucking idiot. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, like, if you're not from here and no one explains it to you. Who the hell would know that? Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> you need those kind of characters. Yeah. You need you need those kind of characters. Um, speaking of that, I think that's a good transition to uh, talk about the Hawks, mm. who completely lack that kind of character on, on their entire roster now. It was, it, for me, it was Hosea. <laughs> Hosa was a was a big part of it. Um, I still don't think though that Hosa had that personality. I think Hosa had the work ethic and was okay. was the first guy to chase down a puck mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, which was awesome. Yeah, absolute workhorse. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why he was my favorite player. Yeah, because he never absolutely amazing. every time he was on the ice. That, yeah. like it was just he made it impossible for that. Yeah. He was always bumping someone off the puck. He was always landing a check. He was always breaking up a pass. He was always he was always turning the puck over and or dumping it into the offensive zone, making them skate back for him. Yeah, it's like he made when he was out there, he made them work. All five of them. Yeah, had to work. Totally unappreciated player. When he and let's not forget the year he came here was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. That was the year we won our first cup. That was like the missing piece of the puzzle. That finally came to Chicago when he came here. He came here the year before that. I think they signed Brian Campbell on defense and then uh, Cristobal Huey in goal. Um, those are like three huge signings that they that the Hawks finally made mm-hmm. after Tane and Caves kind of or uh, came in Taves kind of emerged as really good players. Uh, that's what the dynasty was completely built around then. Uh, but Hosa was a big piece of the puzzle. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but Hosa was on. So the two cups before that, the 2009 Cup and the 2008 Cup, both right. of them were Pittsburgh and Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hosa was on the losing team of both of those finals and then came to Chicago and finally won a cup. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fucking amazing story. And and played in the Olympics and played in the World Championships. So I remember at the time that Hosa had not stopped playing basically professional skill level hockey for like four and a half years straight. Yeah. And that's probably led to the condition that ultimately took him out of the game. Which, I mean, he had a good career, and I know a lot of these hockey players of, of yesteryear kind of lasted until they were 40, and that was not untypical. Um, I don't, it wasn't every player. I think it kind of felt like every player, because uh, when we grew up in the, in the 90s, a lot of those superstar players that were young in the 90s lasted their entire career in their 40s. 
Yeah. A lot of those, that was just that era. Chelios, um, Ronick. Chelios, Ronick. Um, Belfour. A lot of people. Did Belfour make it to his 40s? Yeah. yeah. Belfour was 41 or 42 when he retired. Yeah. He was a backup at the time, but still, he was mm-hmm. still in the league. Uh, but even the superstar players that weren't in our, uh, on the Blackhawks, like Keith Kachuk made it into really late years. Brendan Shanahan was still really good when he was like 42 and then yeah. finally retired. Yager, Jeremy Yager. Yeah, he's, he hasn't even officially retired, but he's in the uh, Czech Republic League this okay. year. Uh, last year he was still in the NHL, which is fucking amazing, like 46 years old or something. He had a great season like two years ago when he was 44. Like yeah, now he's starting to get injured. Oh, uh, well, so he took a year off to, to kind of come back, but... Um, yeah, I, Jose had a really long career and played most of the games in every season. That he had, uh, yeah. And was really good for every season, even if he didn't show up on the stat sheet. Um, like you were saying, he was bumping people and chasing down pucks and doing all that kind of stuff and never, never, ever stopped playing. No, never. So amazing, amazing player. And now that he was kind of the catalyst that brought the Cubs to Chicago, and now I feel like he was kind of the catalyst that um, him and other things have kind of uh, now right. it's now it's dwindling down to the point where now we've gotten rid of our future future Hall of Famer coach mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Oh, definitely winning his coach of uh, of all time or percentage wise. Three. I th- he's in the top three percentage wise. Well, okay. I know that I think he's number two in all time victories. The number one is like Stan Bowman. I, I, it's one of the Bowmans. Yeah. Which could be the general manager of the Hawks. I but think I, it's his dad. His dad, yeah. right? Right. That it's the kid. So, yeah. Very, very prestigious organization, the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I think that we're, like I said, we're at the end of the era. Um, Coach Q is gone. I think what's going to happen is we're going to have to ride out these bad contracts with, that we have with these superstars, and the team really won't be Stanley Cup ready until after they're off their roster. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they have to do because a lot of, some of those contracts aren't even bad. Uh, you need Taves and Kane. If we don't have Taves and Kane, we don't have a team uh, right now. Because uh, well, Taves isn't really that good. He's he's still pretty good. He still is winning well over 50% of his face-offs. Um, and is still pretty solid defensively. Um, and he had a resurgence late last season. Oh, did he? Yeah. He, he, he recouped? Yeah. Okay, um, I didn't really watch last season. Kane is, I think, either first or top five in points in, in this season. Well, so he far. he always is. He never stopped yeah. performing. He's he's amazing. Yeah, he's absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, if even if you don't like hockey, like my dad, he never liked hockey, and like Blackhawks were playing, and like after they'd won their first cup or whatever, and I'm like, well, let's watch the hockey game. He's like, ah, whatever. And I, I like I made a case to him, and he ultimately agreed. I was like, Dad, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't like hockey. I'm like watching this team is like watching the 1990s Bulls. They're that good. Yeah, like it's just if you watch it, they're they're going to execute so well that you can't help but enjoy the experience because there somebody is going to do something crazy tonight. Like yeah, like right. you know, like watching watching Kane skate in the wing position to the out, outside the circle and then fish hooking back in, 
to getting that shot from, uh, you know, the lower, I don't know what it is in hockey. I don't know. He's shooting from the rim in the circle. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's in between the spot and the goal. It's where he's shooting from. He's, he's excellent at making that plunge. Outskating that person to the corner and then looping back on them. He's, he's very good at executing that move, and he does the spin around it in there all the time. So he's got a bunch of moves where he can get that to the Yeah, he's very shoot. mobile. He's one of the yeah. most mobile players of, of all time, mm-hmm. uh, definitely in the league right now. But he's also the only player in the fucking league that can make these shots from insane angles that nobody else can make. He makes these backhand shots that he's, like, on the baseline. He's, he's you know, on the, on the goal line. And he makes a backhand shot, and he puts it in top shelf. I mean, nobody else in the league can do that. There's not a single other person in the league. I mean, maybe Sidney Crosby or some of those other players, but uh, there's no other winger that can do that that's actually in position to do that as routinely as Patrick Kane. And he makes these shots. I mean, case in point, the the uh, I know this is a while ago, but the 2010 finals when when we won the cup, he didn't even know he scored that goal, nor did anybody else on the, on the fucking ice, including the, the uh, Philadelphia goaltender. So, I mean, he shot, just shot the puck at this ridiculous angle and it slipped through the armpit of the goalie because it was at this crazy angle where it just kind of spun in there and he scored and it took like five seconds. He was the only one that reacted. He threw his gloves up and the, the refs didn't even blow the whistle. Nobody knew that that, that, uh, that puck was in. But that's why he's a premier talent. The the two contracts on there that are bad contracts are Keith and Seabrook. Our defense is fucking porous mm-hmm. right now. Um, yeah. And our goaltenders <laughs> suck. They suck. But there's nothing we can do about it. What what are you going to do about it? There's no goaltenders available. Mm-hmm. Goaltenders in, in the NHL have become uh, a hot commodity. There's not you used to have situations even five years ago where teams would have two really good goaltenders. There, it doesn't exist anymore. There's there's really not that going on. Well, um, so there's nobody to even trade for. They, you, that's funny that you mentioned that. And um, uh, another mutual friend of ours, Dylan, he was talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and their strategy in the expansion draft and how they drafted basically – a bunch of goalies. Yeah. Like way more goalies than you could ever need. And then they traded them all back to people. Right. Because they were so lucrative to have. And that's yeah. how their team got so good. Yeah. And then they make it to the conference or the, the finals, mm-hmm. the cup finals. They make it to the cup finals in their first year of being a fucking franchise. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where, where the Hawks are at. Um, so we'll keep an eye on. We started the season pretty good. I think in the first seven games, we didn't have a loss. We had a couple overtime losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the season started out pretty good, but now it's been fucking abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. Um, I get particularly pissed off because fucking Papa John's is half price whenever they score two goals <laughs> the next day. I get fucking pissed off, dude. When I look at that score and we scored zero or one goals, I'm like, I can't even get fucking Papa John's rap price now because the fucking Blackhawks had just fucked me out of like $16. <laughs> Fuck this. That's what really pisses me off is I can't get a half price pizza when they don't score two goals or more. Oh, God. Uh, which, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that really pisses me off. Yeah. Um, 
I love that's the reason. I don't oh, it. God. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's more than that, but that's really the, the one that, that gets me over the top. Like, oh, my fucking Lord, what just happened? We have so much talent, we can't score two fucking goals. you got to be shitting me. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay, so the Bears. The oh. Bears, we, we missed two games, right? Because we, we haven't done this in a couple of we, Yeah, we haven't done this. Well, we missed last week's game. Yeah, so two. Well, so last week's game was the Buffalo uh, game. The Buffalo game. And, and the game before, before that was the Jets. Yeah. And both of which we, we should have won and we did. Yeah, both of which they were terrible teams that should have been shit-stomped, and that's exactly what happened. And that's, like I was saying earlier, that this is the first Bears team in years that I've seen where every game that we should have won, we have won. Yeah, the ones that we've lost have been to teams that you can argue are superior. Right. And, like, the only game I feel like where we played a bad team and we got lucky and won was Arizona. Like, we won that game, like, 18-14 to 14 or something like that. Some weird score. Yeah, that was a straight yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were down, and then they wound up, you know, getting ahead at the last second and winning that game. They didn't really deserve to win that game, but they did. Yeah, you know, they squeaked it out, and the uh, that that those are the games that we're used to seeing. The Bears playing bad teams and barely beating them, if or, beating them at all. Oh, yeah, I or, mean that's what's happened. Jay Cutler's entire career, that's mm-hmm. what happened. We didn't win. There's games where, even after this happening for five years, we were still the favorite. the The spread was still in our favor, mm-hmm. and we would still fucking lose. Yeah, the Bears have a way of finding a way to lose up until now. Yeah. Like, how many times have they scored 40 points this year? Or at least 35 points? I mean... It's, it's a, been at least two, but maybe three. Well, they blew out Buffalo. Yeah, they blew out Buffalo. They blew out the Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I'm just... That gonna, was another one. That was a, that was a huge, huge game. Um... We really haven't had any divisional games except for the Packers so far. Right. And, and that one, it was like 24 to 23. Yeah, that was a close game. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to just read them off. So Packer game, 24-23 Packers. Seahawk game, 24-17 Bears. That's right. Cardinal game, 16-14. Yeah. yeah. That the Buck game, 48 to 10. Bear game. 28 to 30, or fair game against the Dolphins, 31 to 28, Finns. That's the questionable one where we probably should have won that game, mm-hmm. but didn't. But right. still, I think Miami leads the league in sacks, and their defense is like top 10. Okay. Uh, so they still have a, a pretty decent team. Okay. And that's one area where the Bears struggle. I mean, if, if Trubisky, like we said before, if he's out of the pocket and he's running around, if he's not able to make a running play like he was so many times in the Jets game, there was many times where he ran for a first down. Okay. Uh, several times. If he wasn't, if he isn't able to do that, the play is busted. He's mm-hmm. not going to throw it down the field when he's running around. Okay, he's not going to do it accurately, at least. No, he is. Why he's he's bad? Like these throws where these guys are wide open, he's missing them, and he yeah. and he's not he's not usually overthrowing it. Like if he was overthrowing it, that would be a problem too. Yeah. Okay, but he's underthrowing it, which is allowing the quarterback, or excuse me, allowing the cornerback who's already beaten to make a play on the ball. Yeah. 
you know, like if you threw that wide receiver open, he it would be a lights out touchdown. And I, I, I would say that I've probably seen 10 of those passes this year where he misses the man by a lot. Yeah, it, it's happened a lot. But where is he in, in touchdowns? I would uh, say he's in the top half of quarter bounds, quarterbacks as far as touchdowns thrown. I would, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I don't know where he's at exactly, but he that one game, the Buccaneers game, he threw what six? He threw yeah, at least three, five. Six, I think it was six. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was, it was insane. So yeah, I mean, you can't. His accuracy is bad at times, but then there's other times where he throws a perfect spiral and he drops the ball in where exactly where it needs to go. All right, so he's 19th in passing yards. He has 19.49. Yeah, that I knew was kind of garbage. Yeah, the leader is Mahomes with 2,900 yards. So he's 1,000 yards behind the leader. He's 500 yards behind Brady. You know, but he's in, he's, he's in front of a bunch of – he's in front of Cam Newton. But basically everybody else on this list that I'm seeing here other than Russell Wilson or – is unimpressive. I mean, Ryan, he's ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he doesn't have anywhere near a good game at their NFL. Yeah, right. So, you know, that's yards. I'm going to just look at touchdowns right now. Oh, my God. Mahomes has 29 touchdown passes this year. Yeah, that's insane. I knew he'd be the leader. Yeah. That's insane. Luck has 23 and Goff has 20. Damn. There's a big pile up at 17. Fitzpatrick has 17, and he's tied with Cousins, Watson, Brady, and Dalton. And I think he's played like, what, half the games? Yeah. Wow. Trubisky is tied for 13th with Roethlisberger. That has 16. He's beating Newton, Rogers, Stafford, Wentz, Flacco, Keenum, Carr, Prescott. He's beating, as far as touchdowns go, he's beating a lot of people. Yeah. But to comment on this, I wouldn't really quantify a lot of these passing touchdowns as passing plays. Yeah. There are these weird handoffs in the backfield in which he makes a forward shovel pass motion, and they take it up the gut for a score. Like, so that's not really an Aaron Rodgers-style 27-yard strike touchdown. No, it's not a true pass as far as that goes, but... um. I mean, to counter that point, how many times have we seen a play like that the Bears have done that gets busted because the fucking quarterback can't even throw a shovel pass? Um, I don't know. If if all of our touchdowns come off of shovel passes or something <laughs> like that, I won't be too disappointed about no. it as long as we keep winning. As long as we keep blowing them out. Yeah. But, I mean, they're scoring 30 points consistently. Yeah. I, I don't give two shits if the Bears make the playoffs. I mean, I, I would love to see it. I think they could make the playoffs. I, I, I think we will make the playoffs. Uh -huh. I think we will. Yeah, um, I think so, too. I don't think that the Bears are going to shit the bed in the next five games. No. Which is what they would normally do. Yeah, no. And we don't even have Mack in the lineup for the last two games. Mm -hmm. um, it, when he comes back healthy, and they said that he played the last game or two that he was in not healthy. Um, so the, the one game, I think it was the Miami game. He injured his he injured his knee or his, his foot or whatever it is, yeah. um, and then he came back. Remember, he came back in the second half. 
Well, the doctors had come out now and, and said that they probably shouldn't have released him back into the game. Okay. And then I think he played the game after that also. And he that was the game where he was a ghost. He didn't even show up hardly on the stack sheet. He didn't have a sack. He didn't have a fumble. Um, he didn't basically didn't have anything. Um, but they said he was playing hurt, and they didn't realize the severity of his injury, but then sat him for the next next couple games. Okay. Uh, so when he comes back, and supposedly now he's going to be healthy, uh, if we get the Mac that we got, you know, the first four games of the season, oh plus the defense that has actually been been playing. Forcing turnovers. Yeah. And, like, Fuller has been playing really well. Fuller has been playing yeah. really well. Amos um, has been playing strong. I think yeah. they're playing. I think they're playing the best football of their careers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that Eddie Jackson is yeah. a playmaker. Yeah, he just he had one for a touchdown on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roquan Smith is turning out to be very good. That was an awesome draft choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ends up being a, a really good. I think that is. I think that is his best pick. I think that is his best first round pick. I think Roquan Smith's. Ceiling talent is higher than Mitch Trubisky's. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I'm going to make the bold prediction that Mitch Trubisky never gets the deep ball right. I I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I still I still have faith. There there's still have, have been throws that have been perfect. It's probably just perfect. a timing issue. He doesn't it, have that many games under his belt. It doesn't seem like a mechanics issue to me, uh, which, you know, I'm not any fucking expert. Or I've seen him make throws that are impossible. Yeah. Like, there's know. especially, I mean, first of all, one thing he's awesome at is is over the middle of the field, the, the shorter throws. Yeah. Just as good as Cutler was at firing that ball in there. His arm strength is impressive. He makes these throws where it's, you know, a, a corner route or a crossing route where there's two defenders on either side, either in zone coverage or they're kind of just collapsing in on the receiver, and he still gets the ball in there perfectly because he throws it so hard, just like Cutler used to throw it. Yeah. Um, uh, except he doesn't fucking suck like Cutler did for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. He has a um, lot better escapability than Cutler yeah. ever did. Right, and Cutler was decent <clears throat> on his on his legs, too. Yeah. But he didn't. I think that... I think that his footwork is like Aaron Rodgers level footwork. Like I will say that about him. Yeah. He feels the blitz. He moves around in there really well. He knows where it's coming from. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably because in his limited collegiate experience he was more of a runner than a passer. Yeah. So he is aware of where the tackling for the run is coming from. His his escapability is, is top notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, better than any Bears quarterback I've ever I've seen. ever seen. Yeah, uh, m- much better. I mean, very, no. very yeah. impressive. They can't get to him. I, no. you know, I don't know the statistics on how much the uh, Bears have been sacked versus other teams, but uh, I would argue it's pretty, probably pretty low. And if any team is lower than us, it's not because of their quarterback; it's because of their offensive line. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would have to see which quarterback would be lower than us. I mean. But I mean, Russell Wilson is like the most sacked quarterback in the league, and he yeah, has been and for he's years. Super mobile, yeah, yeah. So because his his offensive line is just the poorest, but he's known for hanging on the ball too long. Yeah, but I mean, you've been to two Super Bowls. I'd, I'd take Russell Wilson on our team. I think there yeah. are, yeah, I think there are certain quarterbacks, like I said, that if we had on the team, that the team would win the Super Bowl this year. Um, Aaron Rodgers, if he was on the team, we would win the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. If, if Tom Brady was our quarterback, we would win the Super Bowl. Yeah, our receivers are fucking amazing. Yeah. They're, they're fucking amazing. They don't drop balls that they're supposed to catch. No. If Roethlisberger was on the team, he would win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I would say there's probably about six or seven quarterbacks that if we Breeze. had them on the team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, honestly, I think after that, no. I don't think we'd win a Super Bowl with Cam. I don't think we'd win a Super Bowl with James Winston. I don't think we'd win a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton. Yeah. You know, I don't right. think we'd win one with Eli Manning. You know? At this stage in his career. No, his arm is dead. He needs yeah. to retire. Like, he needs to retire. It's How much does that suck that you're, like, always in your brother's, like... Shadow? Shadow. And, uh, I mean, Eli's had a great career. Two Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, both over Tom Brady, which is really impressive. Yes. But, um... How much would that suck that your brother, like, you both play at the same era. You have two Super Bowls. You're a great quarterback. Your brother plays until he's, what, 40, 41, and is basically like an old man with no ankles throwing a ball and wins a Super Bowl in his last year um, because your entire team, like, builds itself and, and builds the plays around your lack of ability to move around. <laughs> and then here's Eli, who is, like, playing with this team with, what, the best receiver in the league, probably. The yeah, top three it, yeah receivers. not the best. Yeah, Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Like, yeah. Antonio Brown is, like, a great catch-it-and-run-it guy, but, like, he can't catch the ball like Julio Jones can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to jump that high, extend yeah, that exactly. high, right. move that fast. He's no. Julio Jones is a freak of nature. He's he's like Megatron. Like those receivers that are like that, I mean, I love watching that kind of athletic talent. Like I think Odell Beckham Jr. is a douchebag and that's why I'm yeah. not a fan of his. Yeah, he's a jerk. Yeah. Like he can catch a freaking oh, yeah. ball like better than Yes. Better than the majority of receivers. Yeah. So. And you know, to clarify the reason I don't like Odell is because of that charging hit where he charged up behind the guy that wasn't that looking was cheap. and hit him in the back of the head with his helmet. Yeah. That while was the cheap. play wasn't even going. Right. You know, that's why I think Odell's an asshole. Because he yeah. could have crippled that guy with that. Right. Or given him serious brain damage. And he probably did. Yeah. You know? So, fuck that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, watching, I mean, did you watch the Super Bowl, the Atlanta New England Super Bowl, where Atlanta fucking fell apart and blew like a 30 point lead? When was that? Was that two years ago? Yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah, I watched that. One. Okay. So, that catch that Julio Jones makes in that Super Bowl? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, no, <laughs> no other receiver in the league would have no. made that catch. Yeah, like, I mean maybe Brandon Marshall in twenty eleven. Oh, could have, so, yeah. yeah, probably. Or um, um, Megatron at any yeah. point in his career. Yeah, <laughs> in his fucking what eight year career? Yeah, eight or nine years. Just like Barry Sanders, he's like, oh, I play in Detroit. What's the point? Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. yep, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. All right. Well, that's what do you think? That's it, America. Get soggy. <laughs> Bye.